Welcome to the Voice Equals Power podcast, where we explore the big question, how does an artist find their voice? I'm your host, Nicholas Krolak. If you like what you hear today, you can keep up to date with my travels through Sonic Space at my website, nicholaskrolak.com, or on Instagram at nicholas underscore Krolak. Alexa Tarantino is an award-winning jazz saxophonist, woodwind doubler, composer, and educator. She performs and tours regularly as a leader and sidewoman in a wide variety of ensembles and genres, including Wynton Marsalis and the Jazz at Lincoln Center Orchestra, Cecile McLaurin-Salvance Ogres, Arturo O'Farrell and the Afro-Latin Jazz Orchestra, Sherry Maracle and the Diva Jazz Orchestra, LSAT, and the Alexa Tarantino Quartet. Alexa is an artist on the Positone Records label, which released her debut record, Winds of Change, in May 2019. Tarantino is currently on faculty for jazz at Lincoln Center's youth programs and previously served as jazz saxophone instructor at Hobart and William Smith Colleges. She holds a master's degree in jazz studies from the Juilliard School and bachelor's degree in jazz saxophone performance and music education from the Eastman School of Music. Tarantino travels across the globe as a guest clinician and adjudicator and is the founder and director of the Rockport Jazz Workshop. Just a quick note before we begin. This interview has a higher than normal amount of background noise, which is entirely my fault. I've been experimenting with the new recording system and obviously haven't gotten all of the kinks out of the system yet. However, the content of the interview is still super inspiring. So please enjoy my conversation with Alexa Tarantino as well as the New York City ambiance. Thank you, and Nicholas. Making time to be on the show. Of course. I really appreciate it. Um, I want to start out with how how do you manage your time? You are super busy. <laughs> I was like going through all the stuff you've been up to recently and and have kind of going on, and it's it's all at like the highest level and just managing time. Like how do how do you approach time management? It's something I'm still working on, but um, I definitely have some tips and tricks that I love. Um, my timer is my friend, <laughs> so I'm often like doing things in 15 or 30, even 45 minute chunks. Um, like especially for practicing, that's basically how I get any. If I am able to get any, you know, substantial practice time in in a day, it's like in those smaller chunks. But yeah, I just try, I mean, I'm one of those people that like I can go in on something for a long time. You know, if I sit and start doing emails, I can spend the rest of the day doing it easily. So I have to just be careful about my priorities and be really organized with to-do lists and calendars. And, um, and 
uh, you've met Mora, my assistant, who's really amazing and helps me out a lot. So yeah. Yeah, very cool. When in, in kind of practice mode, if you're doing smaller chunks, do you try to um, just go go like real deep on like one one thing, or like do you try to like do a lot of things in that time? Like how do you break in those chunks? That yeah, do just one thing. I try to focus on one thing. I mean, because I find that with like phones and emails and notifications, like I can just easily be so distracted. I think we all can be. Um, and so if I can put my phone on airplane mode and, and have the timer on for 15 minutes and just say, okay, I'm going to practice, um, you know, overtones for 15 minutes, like I will feel better, you know, even just going out to my gigs and rehearsals that day, knowing that I at least got 15 focused minutes of something. Um, as opposed to maybe an hour of sort of like loosey-goosey type of like wishy-washy noodling. So I would almost rather have like a really strong 15 or 30 minutes a day if that's all I can get. Yeah. yeah. Do, you, do, do you ever make time for, for noodle, like loose free association, kind of just, just go for it? Um, I wish. Yeah. <laughs> I wish that, you know, I, I mean, actually it's something I tell my students a lot is like to build that in um, into their practicing. I think if I if I do have a day where I have a lot more time, then I definitely would just allow like you know put in like a last thirty minutes for just playing some tunes, yeah. like playing along with tunes, or or if I was working on some particular concepts, just kind of like throwing it all out the window and then just putting you know a recording on and playing along with it, or just playing and seeing what what types of concepts I can get in without you know forcing it too much, but. So yeah, I mean, I think for the most part, for me, I'm like I'm like a pretty regimented um, checklist type of person. So I find that like if I if I have practice time that I can really organize like that, um, it allows me to just be much more free when I'm playing live, you know. So I'm not really feeling as regimented or like thinking about what you know my my pitch or my registers or my like altissimo or my shapes that I'm using in live performance. That way, I can just like let it all go, and and live performance is just the you know. Create, I try to be as creative and spontaneous after having put all that those like fruits and vegetables into my diet. Yeah. You mentioned uh, working with students. Uh, you teach at uh, Jazz at Lincoln Center mm -hmm. for the uh, education program, mm -hmm. and also you are the founder and director of the Rockport Jazz Workshop. Mm -hmm. uh, talk a little bit about your experiences with those uh, organizations and kind of how you approach teaching with, uh, with uh, younger students? Yeah, um, so I've been at Jazz at Lincoln Center for I think three or four, maybe four years, three or four years, maybe three. Um, and right now, I, well I started working with their middle, middle school jazz academy and their high school jazz academy. And now I work um, with the high school jazz academy as a small ensemble director and a jazz language course director, instructor. Um, so like jazz improvisation theory types of stuff and um, that's a lot of fun and then I also do their jazz for young people program which is where we um, work on we, we present assembly style uh, performances in schools like elementary could be elementary middle high school um, and the performances tie jazz with American history and it's um, a, like a kind of a curriculum that was um, founded based on conversations between Wynton Marsalis and Sandra Day O'Connor. So that has, it has like a very, you know, multi, um, 
subject kind of curriculum to it. So we talk about history, there's democracy, civil rights, um, and all that stuff, and tying it into jazz and, and today's society. So that's what we do um, with Jazz Lincoln Center. And then uh, for Rockport, I started that six years ago. And Rockport is a place that's really special to me. It's where my mom, her family is, and sort of where she grew up. So we, um, I kind of, you know, in turn grew up there, spending, visiting family on holidays and summers and stuff. And um, I just noticed, you know, that they didn't have much jazz programming or any jazz education options, but they had several classical education options. And so I kind of knocked on the door one day and asked if they would be interested in starting a jazz camp. And that was... um, I think I was a senior, a junior or a senior in college at Eastman, um, and I had a I had an opportunity from Eastman to basically go to somebody as an intern um, paid by Eastman. So I started out interning and started that camp, sort of just you know with you know whatever I could get. I found seven students and I just borrowed the band room. Um, for several days and now we're at two weeks of a, like a camp program for two weeks um, we fill generally about 120 slots over the two weeks for students enrollment and then we have 10 almost 10 faculty and assistants and then um, two guest artists that I bring in from New York Very cool. yeah um, that's a, a recurring theme in the podcast and part of why I wanted to talk to you specifically it's like I want to focus on people who are just doing stuff, making things happen, Mm -hmm. and what advice would you have for somebody that wants, sees an opportunity like that in their hometown to do something, but may not not have the confidence or the, feel like they have the resources to do it, what would you say to that person? Um, I would just say take the risk. I mean, make it happen is sort of like my motto. My parents joke with me, they're like, you seem to just make it happen. Um, so that's, I think that's a good, you know, a good connection there. But I, um, I really believe like within this industry, there are so many different avenues that you can take. You know, you can be a performer, you can be a teacher, you can, um, be a producer, you can work in radio, you can work in marketing, you can work in development. And I just think, you know, you really need to be able to do a little bit of everything. And, um, with that being said, if you can have something that shows that you stand out somehow um having some type of entrepreneurial initiative not only does it is it you know i think very helpful in the long term just in terms of you know if you're applying for future jobs or future joining future communities it shows that you have an initiative to to be a part of a community but it's also just so rewarding to give back to have created something that people can um can come together in and you know for an education in the education world, it's giving back to students, watching students grow and be motivated and inspired. So if you can find something that you're really passionate about that um, helps other people, that's what I would say. Like, make it happen no matter what. Just don't, you know, no inhibitions. Just go for it. Um, sometimes, like, the craziest things you just wouldn't expect, you know, that, that it actually works out. Yeah. So, and if you can find, like, if you can find supporters, role models, um, mentors, that can help advise along the way. I think that's really important too. Not not even like to help in a financial way, but just in a you know business sense, business advice, advice when things get complicated. So I have like a I like to call it like my Tarantino board of advisors. You know, I mean actually I have several amazing donors and supporters that I've uh, worked and found and worked with for Rockport Jazz. 
but just in my personal kind of board of advisors like my dad and some of my previous teachers and just some people that I've met when they came to be guests at my schools when I was a student and I nurtured those relationships so that's what I would say is like keep keep your friends close you know Absolutely. I want to talk a little bit about the, the Diva Jazz Orchestra mm-hmm. you played in and, and uh, uh, Sherry Miracle is, uh, is a friend of mine in Philly nice and uh, I've actually made that uh, connection with her kind of recently she opened up a, a, a house venue yes a place called Drummer yes it's, it's amazing and um, she's my hero yeah she's 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 gonna be on the podcast soon cool we've been, been, been talking so um what is and uh, I've also known uh, uh, some other performers that have uh, uh, played with that group and and, and uh, what was uh, your experience uh, like with that? When, when when in your career did you uh, first start playing with that? Um, well, I met Sherry when I was in high school through a former teacher, and then I sort of. Um, I guess watched, you know, would, would would keep an eye out like for where they were playing and just kind of try to catch them when I could. And they came to Eastman when I was there, uh, the small group version of Diva, five play, came to Eastman and I went and reintroduced myself. And it turns out that at that time they, they um, had an opening in the saxophone section. So that was just about when I graduated college. And um, I sort of, you know, jumped in, I guess there was sort of like an audition and um, we all really clicked and then from there Sherry was the musical director for Maurice Hines's show Tapping Through Life so um, I really caught Diva like at a, at a really amazing time because there were there was obviously a lot going on with the big band but that show was really um, there's a lot of you know production going on with that show so we ended up doing a run in Delaware and a run in um, off-Broadway in New York for a while and then a little bit of a run in Philly and some one-offs here and there. Um, and then, you know, since then, we've also done, like, Kennedy Center, Hollywood Bowl, um, lots of really awesome stuff. So Sherry's been just, you know, I can't thank her enough for everything she's done for me. Yeah. Um, you play in, in, a, in a, a group called LSAT. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, you have won, that group has won the Made in New York Jazz Company. Mm-hmm. Um, talk a little bit about that group um, and uh, what makes it interesting to you. I know what it makes. I know what it makes uh, interesting to me. Yeah. But uh, for you personally, what does it mean? Uh, what is that group like for you? And talk a little bit about the Made in New York Jazz Competition and winning that and what that whole process was like. Sure. Yeah. So LSAT is a quintet that I co-lead with um, one of my best friends, Lauren Sevian, a baritone saxophonist, um, just an amazing uh, saxophonist and educator and friend. Um, so we met a long time ago, actually, when I was a student at Litchfield Jazz Camp. And we, I guess, I mean, I don't, I don't really know if we kept in touch too much over the years but then we reconnected because she also was doing tapping through life so that's like sherry kind of brought that brought us together in that way and uh, we just had so much fun playing together and we thought you know we should really keep this going even if the show ends you know we wanted to continue playing together as much as we could so we said why don't we start this quintet um and has some of our you know favorite and uh favorite people and best friends and in the rhythm section it varies depending on you know which gig but um, lucky to be supported by such great people and 
so we yeah we did some stuff at Dizzy's and then we applied for Lauren actually found this made in New York competition and she applied us and uh, yeah we were it was great we sent in some videos and I think it was like an online adjudication process so the judges may were like Randy Brecker John Patitucci um, I think Lenny White maybe and um, maybe Bobby Sanabria I'm not sure there, there was a large I think a like a group of a panel um, and then we found out that we were the winners and so then we it was pretty quick you know just kind of like okay you won and then and then we did this uh, performance for their sort of annual gala and there were many people there the judges were there and we got to play with Patitucci and Randy Rucker and so it was really exciting it was fun that's super cool is the um, just for um, I, w I was like to uh, tip off listeners to any uh, opportunities for submitting things is that um, competition open to yes. anybody or is it just New York based I believe it's New I'm I believe it's New York based, like people who are musicians in New York, but you don't have to have been born in New York. You know, there are many international musicians that we that we met and saw. So I would check, definitely Google, I think it's Made in NY Jazz might be the website or Made in NY, something like that. If you Google it, I'm sure it will come up and um, the guidelines are on there. But yes, I would recommend anybody apply. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. Yeah, I was like to, most of, most of my listeners are young musicians. Cool. I'm always trying to yeah, check it out. Apply everybody. Yeah. Um, so I want to move over to a little bit to um, Positone Records, which is how uh, I first found out about you uh, through Mark Free, and you know I'm just a, a big fan of Positone and, and uh, uh, friends with a, a bunch of the uh, people on the label. Mm -hmm. um, so your your debut record, Winds of Change. Right. Yes. yes. Yep. And so that was the first thing I, I listened to of yours, and what struck me first was was the the bands, and it was like a kind of a collection of people that I I, I would never have thought to put them together. <laughs> and, but it sound it sound is an amazing vibe, and you know, Joe Martin's one of my favorite bass players. Yes, so me too. Shout out to love uh, Joe. Joe Martin. Um, but how did that that band come together? Is my question. Yeah, it's a good question. Well, um, Mark and Nick have been so awesome at Positone, and they, they kind of started me. I started on, Lauren had me on her record that she did with them, Bliss, and then Mark and um, Nick kind of brought me on board a little bit more, and we I, they had me on one of their collective records called Something Blue, um, or with the, the group was called Something Blue, and the record was Maximum Enjoyment, and then he also put me on another collective uh, the band is called Lioness and the record was called Pride and Joy so they were so helpful in kind of ramping me up for this the, the release of the debut record and when we were picking people um, I think you know Joe and Rudy are some of Mark's favorites and he uses them a lot and so but I also wanted to make sure that the people on my record weren't just like you know insane superstars that I that it would be clear that I maybe only called them for the record date and then w it wouldn't be realistic for me to play with them again yeah. that's not what I wanted like I wanted to really get as close as I could to a potential working band yeah. um, and I played with Rudy on the something blue date I believe and I just loved his playing so much and his vibe and so I knew I needed Rudy, and then um, I had heard Joe several times, but had actually never met him, and I was really grateful when he accepted to play. Um, 
and then Christian and I actually met each other in high school at a summer jazz camp and he's just like you know been killing it ever since and I hadn't seen him since then and I just thought you know I wonder if Christian's available because I was just thinking like what you know who, what type of vibe Rudy has such a playful vibe and Joe's so laid back and I was just thinking like musically with the with the type of repertoire that there was I just thought well like it would be really great to have Christian's vibe in there too so and he he um, accepted as well which I was pumped about and we um, have we did a, the quartet did a bunch of gigs around New York last year um, with very varying personnel depending on availability and then this then I just put another record in the can this fall and um, it's still Joe and Rudy but with Stephen Feifke on piano so yeah um, I, I really uh, like that you brought up uh, the vibe and the band I feel like for a long time in jazz uh, there's been the, like the supergroup syndrome and like just putting together like the biggest names and boom and that's cool I like that too but I don't I mean it was just me coming up as like a rock rock kid mm-hmm. like I, I love bands right you know and, and finding that balance of personnel yeah you know I feel like you can you can get like a such a I don't even know how to describe it but something that I the vibe you can get like this very balanced interesting vibe with not having the super group and just you know, really paying attention to like what people you select. So yeah. that's something that I think comes across in the album and that I just appreciate. Thank you. Um, so what is your, you, know, you talked about, LSAT talked about uh, your album as a leader. What is your writing process like? Hmm. Well, I'm still, I, I feel like I still have you know, I'm just scratching the surface in terms of, like, writing. I would not call my... I mean, I, I do compose, obviously, and arrange, and I do work for people, but I just... There are so many people that have amazing compositional voices, and I feel like I'm still... I Like, I wish I could take a hold... You know, like I said, like, take the 15 minutes or the 30 minutes and just, like, sit down and slowly work something out, you know, and have it develop over time. But unfortunately, often in my process is, like, I have a deadline, and I need to get something done. So, um, not so much noodling time. Um, but when I do, you know, sit down to do something, um, I generally find the melody first and then kind of find a harmonic foundation for it after that. Um, and I, I generally, like, have an idea of the vibe, like, a, you know, the meter, the style, even if it's just, like, descriptive words, um, something that will help me find the sound that matches like certain adjectives if it's like flowing or maybe a little aggressive or a little edgy or something like that so um sometimes I try to come up with like a little storyline in my head or it's um try to embody some type of feeling or experience that I thought you know might inspire something it's very rare that I can just like sit down and plop out a tune you know it I have to have some type of either story or even if I'm just thinking of like a sound uh, like a you know like there's this truck rumbling in the back right now you know it's like so like maybe I can think about that or like just something to base it off of like I'm I can't always just like plop out a bebop tune real quick but absolutely um what is what is it that you like most about 
the younger generation of musicians that are coming up, that you, that students that you see? What is something about that them as as a group that you see that's like they have this thing that's like yeah? <laughs> um, I feel like wherever I go when I'm doing like a residency or a clinic or teaching at a jazz camp or something, um, students are so comfortable asking questions, which I was never comfortable asking questions. Um, I don't know if that has to do with like, I feel like I was often the youngest person in anything that I did like in high school or college and I was probably uh, quite often the only girl, so I was probably just like sitting in there in the side like, you know, a little nervous to raise my hand or get called on and I really wish that I hadn't been. I wish I had just like taken, I guess the what is the saying? Taking the bull by the horn. <laughs> I don't love that saying, but I, I'm using it. Um, I wish I, sometimes I wish I had just kind of like owned it a little bit more. Um, I think sometimes people think I'm always owning it, but I often don't, you know, feel that way. And I look at that generation and I'm like, wow, they are, you know, sometimes you don't, they ask weird questions maybe, but it's like, yeah, like good for you for being comfortable to ask. And like, I would, I just, when I was working with people like guest artists or whatever, I never thought I could even get to that level. I never thought they would even want to hang with me or talk to me. Yeah. And um, I think people are just surprisingly more generous and happy to help than, than you would think. And so I'm happy that people are doing that. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, I know you got a busy schedule and you got, got some other things to get to. So <laughs> um, just real quick for everyone. For all the listeners, how can they how can they find you? What's the best way for them to, to connect with you? Yeah, awesome. Um, I'd love to to hear from from anybody and everybody. Um, I'm on Instagram primarily is where I where I do my social media. Alexa Tarantino um, is is my name, and I am on Facebook and Twitter. Although I'm not you know on there all the time. So and I have tried to post videos on YouTube as much as I can. So yeah. Um, you can always send me a note through my website and uh, try to get back to people as soon as I can. But yeah, thanks, Nicholas, for having me. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time. Of course, of course. Thanks for listening to the Voice Equals Power podcast. For me, this series is a labor of love. My goal is to help document the making of jazz history in this moment. If you have any suggestions about who you would like to hear on this show, Drop me a line. Thanks for tuning in. I hope to hear from you soon.